chapter 7. We'll get there in a few minutes. Would hope and pray that most of us here today would be aware that uh, Memorial Day is not, uh, was not originally intended to uh, denote the beginning of summer and uh, was not actually designed to be the biggest, one of the biggest party weekends of the year. Uh, but Memorial Day is an American holiday in which we commemorate those that gave their lives to guarantee our freedoms as Americans. And I'm not <clears throat> a part of the Apologize for America crowd. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that uh, everything America has ever done has been right. But I'll tell you, when we study the history of this country, I'll put it up beside any other country in the history of mankind because of the things that people have given and what they've given their lives for. I love history. I love the stories that are there. And I love the history of this land. It is just so full of stories. I mean, we could start with the Christmas march to Trenton in the middle of the night in freezing rain and sleet. And four men, I believe, was the final figure, froze to death on the way to that march, to the, on the march to that battle, rather than break the commander's orders for total silence so that they would not be discovered by the British before the attack occurred. So that takes a heroism that is unheard of today. And yet, I'm glad to tell you that it didn't stop there, that even in just recent history, uh, we've heard the story of an American who was riding the uh, turret gun in a Humvee and someone tossed a grenade literally into his lap. All he had to do was jump to freedom. But that would have allowed the grenade to fall down inside the Humvee and kill those that were there. And so he used his body to pin that grenade between the blast shield and himself and protected the other men in the Humvee. That's heroism. And we could tell stories the whole time, but, I, you know, I've had a lot of people argue about things. But let me just ask you a question in the modern politics of things. Do people living in the American-controlled sections of Iraq and Afghanistan have more freedom and more prosperity today than they did before September 11th of 2001? Uh, you would have to answer yes. You see, one of the things that has made America different than almost any other nation in the history of mankind that has achieved the military power and proudness. I mean, uh, today uh, we are known as really the world's only superpower. And uh, that is usually not a good thing when you only have one superpower because all of the uh, balance and everything is tilted in one direction. But think of Rome, who was the superpower of its day. They did not fight for the freedom and rights of the people. 
that they conquered. They fought for their enslavement and their benefit to Rome. And you can go back through all of history. You could talk about the Soviet Empire and what communism has brought. And if you'd like to show me the freedom and the benefits of communism, uh, I'd be happy to sit down with you. But it'd be a short conversation, wouldn't you agree? Uh, Because there just hasn't been many benefits there. And yet the United States has fought wars on every continent, for every continent, on the face of this earth, so that its people could determine their own government. I, I don't think it's a bad thing that we should honor those that gave their lives. But I want us to understand something. You see, freedom, and we we all know this, liberty is not free, right? Uh, The price of peace is eternal vigilance. These are cliches, these are statements that have been used, and even though we are familiar with them, the the truth that they impart is no less potent or important. But I want you to understand that the freedom that we have celebrated in this nation for nearly 238 years was never intended to be a license to engage in activities that destroy the freedoms of others. Let me give an illustration. In the United States of America, if you are of a certain age, I believe in New York it is 21, you have the right and privilege to purchase and consume alcoholic beverage. But when you get behind the wheel of your car in a drunken stupor and use it as a weapon of mass destruction and bring death to other people... There ought to be a price to be paid, shouldn't there? Was this person exercising their freedom? Well, yes. They have freedom to go and purchase this, to drink it. There's not a security guard waiting at the parking lot with your keys to give you a breathalyzer test before you get in your vehicle. Some argue that there should be, but wouldn't be a very free country if it were that way. You see, that type of freedom in the pursuit of that perverted idea of happiness, if I want to borrow the phrases of the framers of our uh, Declaration of Independence, is truly a blasphemy to the word freedom. Because that kind of freedom was never, ever intended. Freedom of speech was never intended to be the freedom to print pornography. Or the freedom to teach that the overthrow of this government... And the institution of an Islamic state is what is holy and just and would be best for the world. And yet those things go on under the guise of freedom in this United States, even as we sit here and stand in this auditorium this morning, 
People are in other parts of this country proclaiming those things, are they not? You can go like this. Don't say amen to that because it's not good. You see, the Bible and God in his incredible and great wisdom has explained to us that there's more than one kind of freedom out there. You know, God, contrary to popular belief, is not a tyrant that wants to make everybody do exactly what he says. In fact, the truth of the matter is, God has given us what we call freedom of choice. You can choose the Scriptures, or you can choose to ignore the Scriptures. You have to pardon me, I'm still fighting with a sinus thing here. But before we get started, I want you to understand something. These two different types of freedom cannot coexist in the same life. In fact, they cannot coexist in the same society for very long. Which is the problem that we face today as Americans. It's something that we ought to be praying about. It's something that we ought to be concerned about. And in Mark chapter 7, we're going to see the first type of freedom. I call it fake freedom. False freedom. (coughs) As it is explained by Jesus Christ. And he is talking to the Pharisees. In verse 10, he says, For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, the Pharisees say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be, what's that last word there? He shall be free. Now, Jesus is explaining the way that the traditions of the scribes and the Pharisees, the traditions of the elders, as it's called in the Bible, how that they give freedom. You see, the Ten Commandments said, Honor thy father and thy mother. Now, most parents understand that. You better obey me because God said, honor your father and mother. Well, that's part of it. But there's a bigger part. When mom and dad get a little older, you're supposed to honor them by taking care of them. Somebody said, Pastor, what are you going to do? You really don't have any retirement program. Well, we're working on one for the church, but I already have a 12-tier retirement program in the works. Uh, I figure if each one can take care of mom and dad for a month, that ought to get us through the next year. Amen? Uh, The old Jewish proverb is, one father can support 12 children. Can 12 children support one father? We'll see. But uh, the simple truth of the matter is, That's what was included in this honor thy father and thy mother. 
But the Pharisees had worked out a deal among themselves that you could dedicate yourself and your lands to God. That's what the word Corbin means. That's what it was called, a gift. It's dedicated to God. And the only thing that could be taken from that estate was a small subsistence salary for the person managing the affairs. Kind of like a trust today. And they would say, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I know that things are tight, but you see, I've dedicated my my lands and my property to God and everything that we make goes to the temple. Did it go to the temple? Well, they had to buy seed for the next year and they had to pay the laborers and they had to do this and they had to do that. And it was just a way that they could be free from the law of God. You see, there are two types of freedom. Freedom from the law of God and freedom under the law of God. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 23 and we're going to try to move very quickly through this this morning. I don't want to spend my main amount of time on the false type of freedom, but it will help us understand true freedom. Matthew chapter 23. This is during the last week of Jesus' teaching, and he is basically what we might say unloading on the scribes and the Pharisees. We start in verse 16. He says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar, that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore <coughs> shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. And Jesus went on in his condemnation of these little rules. I don't know how many of you have ever had real business doings with people who were connivers and schemers and plotters and planners as you're sitting there trying to work out a deal, negotiate something, and you're never really sure whether you got a good deal or you got cheated. Anybody ever been there? I mean, well, <clears throat> the scribes and the Pharisees had rules and regulations for this as well. You see, if you wanted to manipulate someone into believing that you were true when you weren't, you could swear by the temple. Now, if you heard someone say, I swear by the temple in Jerusalem, 
that only one little old lady ever owned this car and she drove it back and forth to synagogue on Saturday. And if you know anything about the uh, laws, you can't kindle a fire on the Sabbath. And so, therefore, it couldn't be true. But anyway, you see, if he swore by the temple, he didn't have to tell you the truth. It really wasn't a big deal to break his word. But if he swore by the gold that was in the temple, then he had to keep his word. And the same thing was with the altar. He could swear by the altar in the temple of God in Jerusalem. But if he swore by the sacrifice on the altar, then he had to keep his word. Now, imagine being an unsaved heathen trying to do business with people like this. I've heard stories where uh, the Roman would grab the guy by the throat and say, swear by the gold that's in the temple. I know you'll keep your word if you do that. And then uh, they cross their fingers or do something. I mean, there's always somebody out there that wants you to believe Something false for their gain. Isn't that true? What do we call those people? Cheats? Swindlers? You see, these men said, listen, if you dedicate it to God, then you're free from all of the regulations that God would have you on that income that you have. You know, they use that to not pay taxes to Rome. They, they use that to not take care of their parents. <clears throat> they used all their little rules and regulations. And by the way, who made up all these things? Well, the scribes and the Pharisees did. And the chief priests were involved. And they all came together so that they might... Enrich themselves at your expense. Now, the Bible says that they claimed to be free. They were free from the law of God. Guess what they were also free from? The holiness that comes along with the law of God. They were free from a lot of things. And by the way, Jesus was very clear. Let's go to John chapter 8. Jesus was very clear that he didn't come to save righteous people. He came to save sinners. And you see, if the scribes and the Pharisees actually believed this, which they did, they didn't think they were sinning. And so they considered themselves righteous when actually they were unrighteous. And what does that mean, my friend? You don't have forgiveness. And without forgiveness, you don't see God. That's how serious this is. Now let's go to John chapter 8. Jesus is in the midst of another debate, maybe with some of the same people. In verse 30, 
Jesus is speaking in the temple, and as he, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, verse 32 is one of those incredible verses in the Bible. Jesus summed up so much in such a few words. If you want freedom, what must you have? You must have truth. When you know the truth, it's the truth that sets you free. And we can apply that in so many ways. But when people found out the truth was that they could control their own destiny and the destiny of their society, they formed a country called the United States of America based on biblical principles of freedom. You know why freedom doesn't work in certain countries? Why freedom didn't work in Vietnam? Was because of the corruption that was inherent among the people of that nation. There was no such thing as an honest government representative, whether they were on the side of the communists or on the side of the Americans. Read the history of the war if you can find a real history. That's the reason freedom didn't work there. That's the reason we lost the war. is because people would not be honest. They would not deal in truth. Jesus told these men, Listen, if you continue in my words, then you can become my disciples. Now, they didn't have a problem with that because there had been many great pharisaical leaders in the past Uh, that people were disciples of. In fact, they spent nothing uh, when they had free time except sitting down and arguing about the great thoughts of great men of the past. And uh, they would, a certain group would adhere to this fellow and another group would adhere to this one and they would argue back and forth. And and, uh, so they were just going to add Jesus to the list of great leaders until he made this statement. Look at verse 33. Then said Jesus unto them, I'm sorry. They answered him, We be of Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? He said, wait a minute, you're implying that we don't have freedom right now. We want you to know something. We are free. Like Mark chapter 7. And Matthew chapter 23, they were free. They were free from the commands and the boundaries and the responsibilities of the law of God. Let me ask you a question. How many people moved to New York City so they can be free from all the laws of their parents? All the rules and regulations. I can do anything I want. Just try it. 
We had a mayor that was going to outlaw a 20-ounce soda. And where I come from, that's a small. I like the big ones, especially if I'm driving. But you can do anything you want in New York City, right? Well, as long as you pay appropriate taxes and fees, have proper permits, and uh, all the restrictions and all requirements of government agencies are met, you can do just about anything you want. If there's anything left on the list after they're done. Let's get back to Scripture. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whoso committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You see, the truth makes you free. But sin enslaves. There is not a sin that doesn't come with strings attached. And if we had time this morning, we might physically illustrate this. But if I got me a strong young man up here on the platform, maybe I pick on my son Stephen, and I were to sit him in a chair and take a little spool of thread and wrap it around him once. Say, okay, Stephen, get out of the chair. Boom! He's out. Well, what if I wrapped it around him 20 times? He popped that easy. But if I wrapped it around him 120 times, he might have a little more difficulty getting out of the chair. And if I wrapped it around each leg to a leg of the chair and each arm to an arm of the chair and around his midsection so that he couldn't wiggle up and down and around his throat to the top of the chair, he wouldn't be able to get out of that chair unless someone cut him out. See, that's how sin works. A little one here and a little one there. Yeah, yeah. Read the life of Samson. But it caught up with him in the end, didn't it? You see, these scribes and these Pharisees looked at these little sins that they were making allowance for, and they were saying, listen, it's no real big deal. But what happens to a society that refuses to take care of the older generation? The selfishness that makes that happen destroys the present generation. And what happens? We're going to find out here. What happens when the selfish pigs of the hippie movement of the 60s now have to rely on their children, the beast 
and abominations that they have raised and called human beings, smoking pot and doing all the things that they wanted to do, what is going to happen to them when those selfish pigs of human beings are now responsible for taking care of them? Hey, everybody suffers. When you begin to live off the profits of dishonesty, who are you taking advantage of, my friend? How many of you have automobile insurance in New York State? Some of the most expensive in the country, by the way. You know why it's so expensive? Because there are people who take advantage of their policy for repairs and income that is not due them. Well, who pays for that? Everybody that has insurance. It's called insurance fraud. I heard a commercial just a couple of weeks ago on it. I think it's about $2 billion a year in New York State. Do you know how much cheaper our insurance could be if we could just get rid of insurance fraud and welfare fraud and Medicaid fraud and health insurance fraud? And you know why we can't afford to live? It's because he that swears by the gold of the temple is free. I mean, he that swears by the temple is free, but he that swears by the gold of the temple is a debtor. It's because you can make your words mean anything you want just so that it gets you a little something now. You see, those things, that kind of freedom, makes slaves of everyone. That's why Jesus said, if you'll know the truth. He said, if you'll be my disciples, he says, you can become my disciples indeed. There's a progress, a progression here. You've got to continue in his word. Then you'll be his disciples. And then you'll know the truth. And then you'll be free. But what was their rejoinder? We're, we're Abraham's children. We've never been in bondage to any man. Uh, what about Egypt? Were the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt? Uh, read through the book of Judges, my friend. Were the sons of Abraham in bondage to the Midianites and the Amalekites and the Gibeon? I mean, all the different ites and tites and things that are in there. I mean, they were in bondage to Everybody. But how? How in the world did these men get off saying this to Jesus when all they had to do was look over their shoulder at the temple palace of Antonia that overshadowed the, the temple itself where the forces of Rome were in legion? And by the way, Rome had... No partners, only slaves.
Where in the world did they get off making this statement? And Jesus took it beyond it very simply to the heart of the matter as he always did and said, if you sin, you're the servant of sin. How many people in this city, I wonder, woke up this morning, fumbled around knocking things off of the night table, trying to light that cigarette without setting themselves in the building on fire just so they could get a drag and start waking up. Oh, my. How many people get out of the cancer ward and still use their trait to smoke cigarettes after they're sent home from the hospital? It happens. Why? Because sin is a slaver. Sin brings bondage. It doesn't matter what the sin is. It enslaves. Now look what it says. Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Jesus was saying, listen, You, right now, as I'm talking to you, you men, you Pharisees, you most religious of all people who live in your time are the servants of sin, and you're going to die. Said, servant abideth not in the house forever. You're not going to live forever. But the son abideth forever. Said, I live forever. These were the very men that were going to consider themselves responsible for nailing Jesus to the cross. Jesus said, I am going to abide forever. If you'll come to me, I will set you free from your sin. And all God's people said, Amen. We're not done yet. But got to say amen after that, don't you? You see, the first freedom that we talked about, freedom from God's law, what did it produce? It produced parents that weren't taken care of by their children. It produced a selfishness in the hearts of the, of the people who were doing it. By the way, what kind of God would it be that would say one thing in His law and then give you a way to get around it with His tradition? What kind of God would that be? Well, it would be the same kind of God that says it's okay to lie to other people swearing by the temple as long as you don't swear by the gold. I mean, the God of this world enjoys that kind of freedom because what does it bring? Slavery. Not only to the people that are doing it, but to everybody around you. But what does the kind of freedom that Jesus gives you, what does that result in? Well, if I'll continue in his word and become his disciple, 
and then know the truth and be made free from the truth, that means I'm free from the bondage and judgment of sin so that I can serve Christ. In fact, about the only thing that I'm going to be able to do with my life if I give it to Jesus Christ is to serve Him with it. And that's where the world has a problem. How can you say that the only truth is in Jesus Christ? Well, have you ever examined what other people call truth? I mean, just examine it. Examine all of the great things and the great freedoms that were established by communism. Conversation over, let's move on. Explain to me all of the wonderful things that tyranny has done for people. And when I mean tyranny, we're talking about fascism and and, uh, tyrant kings and all of these things. What great things have they built for society and for the people that lived under them? The feudal lords in in the Far East, the shoguns and all of the rest of these people who controlled some of the largest people groups in the history of mankind. Well, they got a great wall in China. How many millions of people died in slavery building that thing? It was in millions. And all that's left is a wall. Let me tell you something. The freedom and the power and the truth, quote unquote, that this world has to offer. Show me all the minds that Sigmund Freud has healed. Yeah, conversation's over. We've got to get another subject here. You see, that kind of freedom. Sigmund Freud. If you don't waste your time reading his life, but he ended up a slave to his own perverted, immoral desires. Is that where you want to go? It is truth and freedom. It is honesty and integrity that not only builds the individual, but builds society as a whole. Amen? You see, I can't love Jesus, whom I have not seen, and not love my brother, whom I have seen. Read First John chapter 4. You see, the kind of freedom I have in Christ takes my eyes off me and puts them on Christ. And so the person beside me and next to me and the people all around me are not opportunities for me to better myself. Because Jesus already took care of that. He made me accepted in the beloved. Amen? 
So the life which I now live, I have freedom to use that life to actually care about another human being and not expect anything in return. Do you think that's why so many people were able to go to so many foreign fields and lay down their lives for people they didn't even know? I'm not saying that they were all Christians, but I'm telling you this, a lot of them, even the ones that weren't Christians, understood the freedoms, at least in the early days of our nation, that this Bible talked about. Don't you go trying to tell me about all the great Christians who fought on the side of the South in the Civil War. Because they were fighting for slavery. I don't accept it. And I refuse to. Oh yeah, I believe I'll see them in heaven one day. But I'll be, believe they'll be just as apologetic for what they did as we will be for the sins that we've done. And so let's not put ourselves on a higher plane here today. Let's understand some things. You see, true freedom demands some limitations. That's what the United States Penal Code is all about. Do you know that it's against the law to go into a crowded room and yell fire? Because people could be injured trying to get out of the building. You're raising a false alarm. But I have freedom of speech. Yeah, but your freedom ends where you start endangering other people. Amen? Uh, I wish we could get our police officers to crack down a little bit more on this aggressive driving, uh, I don't know what you would call it, plague that seems to have broken out in the last year or so. I mean, it's just gotten incredible. I think a lot of it's, it's just scary stuff. But you see, I can't serve Jesus and myself, can I? What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. But let me ask you a question. Does Jesus want you being a pulper? Living in a garbage can on a street corner talking about the goodness of God? No. Those have never been the marks of true Christianity. You know, in fact, the people who have named Jesus as their Savior have actually been some of the most profitable people to our society as a whole. Because truth brings freedom. And by the way, Jesus said, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. He was trying to explain to those people that the truth can set you free. You will know that I am the truth. And when you know Jesus is the truth, guess what? That which disagrees with Jesus is now the lie. And we can clearly see the difference between the two. You see... 
You've got to make a choice. And this is what I've been trying, and, and again, trying again, because I, I really don't believe in my heart of hearts that we're, we're getting it. And uh, I'm praying that God will help me to, to further uh, bring forth this truth in a message. But you see, this is what is meant by the death of self. When I surrender myself to Jesus Christ and accept Him as the truth, That means certain things have to happen. That's what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To stop believing in myself. Serving Christ is not eclectic. It's not cafeteria style. It's not going down and choosing the parts that I want and ignoring the parts that I don't. It's either all or nothing. That's what serving Christ is. And I'll tell you what, it's the greatest freedom a human being can experience. It's freedom from guilt. It's freedom from remorse. It's freedom from having things in your past come back and clobber you over the head. How many of you ever had it happen? You, you're just starting to serve Christ. You're moving in the right direction. And all of a sudden, it just seems like Everything in the world broke loose and fell on your head. Well, the truth were known, it's usually the laws of reaping and sowing, is it not? I've put these bad things in my past, and I'm glad that God forgives sins, but there are times He doesn't erase the consequences. And we'll have to endure those. But if you take your eyes off Christ and go back to putting more wrong things in the garden, I mean, some people just live there. Getting up, get knocked down, get up, get knocked down, get up, get knocked down. Why? Because they never put their eyes on Christ completely and start moving forward no matter what. True freedom to serve Christ demands that you do a disservice to the world in which you live. And guess what? They're not going to appreciate that. Why do you think they scream so loudly for sodomite marriage and all of these things in our society today? It's because they know in their heart that what they are doing and allowing is evil and destructive. And the only salve that they seek for is the words of people who call themselves Christians saying, it's okay. And guess what? We have religious leader after religious leader bowing to the pressure. Well, yeah, uh, the Pope just said to evolution, uh, this was maybe a couple popes ago, that God used evolution to bring everything into being. That's a blasphemy against the word of God. We have preachers. Uh, If you like Joe Olstein, just listen to him. And I'll give you $100 the next time he condemns sin on his television broadcast. If you'll promise to give me $100 every time he doesn't. I'll put it in the missions fund now. But I'll be a rich man long before you get your first hundred. 
Listen. Jesus said these things. Number one, because they're true. But number two, because you can only have freedom in a life that's surrendered to Jesus Christ. And that freedom is broad, my friend. You know, so often we spend and waste our life looking at the things we can't have instead of enjoying the things that we do. If you've ever been out in the country, where's the cat? Where are the cows? Unless the har- the farmer has put a big bale of hay, a big bale of hay in the middle of the field. They're all standing there at the fence, sticking their necks through the fence, eating the grass on the other side of the fence. That's what cows do. You take a dog and put it in a yard. Where's the dog at? He's right up against the gate going, yap, 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 yap. Good thing the fence is there. Might want to do something to the dog, Amen. But what is amazing to me is you have this little trinket of a dog sitting there yapping and this big old German shepherd or Rottweiler on the other side of the fence. You know, sometimes I just wish you could lift the fence and all of a sudden that big dog comes through. What was that little yapper going to do? But that's the way Christians are. God has put some things in our lives He says we can't and ought not have. What do we do there? We're clawing at the fence. If God lifted up that fence, we would be destroyed. We waste the freedom wishing for things that would destroy us. You see, to choose the freedom Christ offers is to choose what the world calls bondage to Christ. But to choose the freedom that the world offers is to choose that which Jesus Christ calls bondage to sin. Now, which one do you want? Would you rather be in bondage to Jesus to serve Him? Or in bondage to sin to serve it. You have to pick it. I'll tell you what. I am far ahead being Christ's slave. Than I ever was running my own ship. And when I choose that freedom... That Jesus offers. Guess who benefits? I do. But people that I come in contact with do. My city does. My nation does. And wherever we send missionaries, benefits from our service to Jesus Christ. When you choose bondage to sin, who suffers the most? 
Well, that's kind of hard to say. Because you're going to suffer a lot. But so are all the people you're going to come into contact with. And anybody you have influence with. And anybody else that's going to have, in society in which you live, that's going to have to pick up and pay for your bills and your debt that you're piling up on everyone else, guess what? They're going to have to pay for it too. I really don't know who pays the most. But you'll pay for it all eternity in separation from God. I'll choose to be made free indeed by the Son that abideth forever. And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Freedom is a hard word. Lord, we just ask that you would give us grace and ability to choose true freedom versus this fake freedom that the world offers. That we would choose freedom with Jesus instead of bondage to sin. We ask you to do your work in lives of those that need to be saved today. That, Lord, at least this would be another step closer to the truth. But, Lord, there are some here that just don't need to wait any longer. They just need to get saved. Lord, there are others that know the Bible says they should do certain things that they're refusing to do. Whether it be baptism or surrendering to give up things in their lives. Or just being here for every service. Lord, I, I don't want to play the Holy Spirit this morning. I'd much rather have the Holy Spirit take the freedom that He needs to work in each heart and in each life. And Lord, that we would surrender our pretend freedom to the true freedom that is in You, is in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, come and lead us. In